Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. I'm Craig. I'm and Daniel. And this is my friend, Daniel. I jumped in so fast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're just excited. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the kickoff this episode. I'm really excited. <laughs> You're kicking it. Yeah. This is the Theomatic Podcast. I'm Daniel. Make... <laughs> He's so excited. Nailing it. We already said your name. Yeah. That, what we haven't said yet is that this is where we make good theology automatic. automatic. Hello. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? We're so excited today. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to just throw it straight to you, Daniel. Awesome. Give us the, give us the topic today. And um, yeah. here's the truth about this topic, even though it might sound really simple to you. I We actually get this question so many times. Yeah, so often. And I don't know all the reasons why people are asking, but people ask this question. So take it away, buddy. Yeah. So today we're talking about actually something I struggled with when I was young. So I grew up Christian. We're talking about how do I know for sure that I'm saved? So I'm going to define the terms a little bit. We're going to talk about the process of how to get saved. We're going to talk about things you can do to remain confident that you are and the signs that you are. Okay. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. um, we'll try to do it in five minutes. Here we go. And then we'll talk about it. So let me give you a little story. When I was a kid, so I grew up a Christian, and um, whenever I would mess up or sin or struggle with a sin issue, I would constantly doubt whether or not I was saved because I thought the evidence of salvation was to not sin. And that is actually not the evidence that you're saved. In fact, when you are saved, you will continually struggle with sin, although you'll win the battle. Thank you, Jesus. And there are tools you can use, but that's for another episode. Today, we're going to talk about how do you know for sure. I would say today, Craig, that I know like I know my own name that I'm saved. And I think you'd say the same thing. Right. So let's just jump right into scripture. This is in Acts chapter 16. I want to talk about sort of how to get saved. This is a story. I'll just give you the context. Like Paul and uh, Silas, are there with the jailer. And, and they get freed. And of course, the jailer's in big trouble if they run out. And Paul's like, no, no, hey, we're still here. And he comes and throws himself. And he's like, what must I do to be saved? Uh, it says, uh, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the jailer talking, and this is Paul's response. And they said simply this to this jailer, like totally desperate to know how to be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. We'll unpack that at another time. Right. Let's just talk about your personal salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It is truly a situation, we'll prove it to you, and again in Scripture, that it is not about your works, the efforts you do once you're saved. In fact, there is nothing you can do to be saved because... Jesus did everything on your behalf. He stood in your place. He lived perfect and sacrificed his life mm -hmm. for yours. It's a trade. Mm -hmm. So you, he takes all of the suffering and you get all the benefit. Make no mistake, our sin cost someone their life brutally. Right. And that's his love for you. Right. So it did cost someone. Salvation isn't free. Anyone says it's free is a liar. It's a gift. It was not free. It costs Jesus absolutely everything. Hmm. I get emotional even talking about it. He's so good. Okay, so so how do you become saved? What is the requirement? Believe in Jesus. Jesus is important. Believing in God doesn't make you saved. Believing in his son, Jesus, that he atoned for your sin does. Right. Okay, so that's an important distinction, right? right? Jesus is the linchpin. He, Jesus even said, I didn't come to bring peace to everyone. I came to bring the sword. Like, he is the dividing issue. Right. And at that time, he's, of course, he's talking to Jewish people whose children are starting to believe and follow Jesus. And they're like, you're straying away from our religion. And he's like, yeah, make no mistake. I'm the dividing line. 
Right. right. I, I am the reason. Right. right. Why? Because he is the image of the invisible God. Come on. And every it. religion out there is talking about some sort of God that ultimately is invisible. Yeah. And not real. That's right. And so this is why we must yeah. focus on Jesus. So so it is Jesus. Okay. So we want to make sure that the Jesus of Nazareth, who's historically proven to be true and written about in the Bible, believing in him and that he is God and died for your sin. That is what you need to believe. That is the functional truth you have to believe. There's other parts of scripture that says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And we'll mm -hmm. cover that a little bit. Um, so then in Romans 3.28, uh, I'm just proving to you that it's not works because that's the big debate, even in Paul's time and, and some in, in our time, is that there's some process or behavior you can do to be saved. I'm going to prove to you in an analogy in a minute that it's not about a behavior that makes you saved. It's about a belief and then all of the behaviors spring out of that belief. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, in Romans 3, 28, it says, this is Paul talking for, and he's talking to Romans who are well-educated. They are like the, the New York, San Francisco crowd. You know, I mean, they're like high-end, this is intelligent stuff. And he says this, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from, from the works of the law. This is during Paul's treatise where he's proving that it's by faith alone right. and not by works. So there it is from scripture. So here's the analogy I'm going to use to bring it all together in the last three minutes, and then we'll discuss. Becoming saved, which the real term probably should be regenerated because God didn't come. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people who right. are apart from God alive yeah. and with God. He is the door. He is the bridge. Okay. So it's not bad people becoming good, although you'll become more like Jesus when you're saved. But the term is regeneration. And I want to say that because it's different than what we would call sanctification. Regeneration is your birth, your rebirth, you becoming alive in Christ. Sanctification is all those years as you follow Jesus and make him Lord and look more and more like the person he designed you to be every day. They're different things. Okay. So don't mistake mm -hmm. them. It's not the process of sanctification that makes you regenerated. It's your belief and your confession. So here's how it would look. In a modern, and I know there's multiple cultures with different weddings styles, and I totally respect that, but I'm just speaking about like the traditional American 1950s wedding. Groom is down at the altar. Bride comes out the back. We're in a church. You can see it. Bride comes down the back. And um, um, it's a total picture of a Judeo-Christian marriage, which is really like regeneration. The groom, Jesus, has already paid the price and is waiting for you. Hmm. You are the object of his affection. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Mm -hmm. You are the joy that was put before him to reconnect with you. Literally, if you were the only one, he would have still done it. Um, you're like his child, right? So, so we come down the aisle. We, As an act of our will, we come to him. And in a simple moment, he's already waiting, having said, I do on the cross 2000 years ago. Right. And we simply yield our will and we say, I do too. I'm in. And so that's why it, oftentimes at church at the altar time, you'll just re repeat a simple prayer. The prayer isn't magical words or anything that make you saved. It's yielding your will, right. entering by your, you know, uh, by your thought, by your mind, and with your voice into a covenant, usually in the presence of witnesses, right? Right. I mean, that's why the Bible says by the witness of two or three, everything, you know, can be agreed upon this in the Old Testament. That's that's why you have a best man and a maid of honor in American right. weddings. Those are your two witnesses. It's kind of cool. Um, and from that moment at the altar, the moment you ye believe and confess, you are married. You are saved. You will never, like... 
what quality of married person you are right. is a different matter, right? And we'll talk about that at some point. Yep. But I want to assure you from that moment of commitment, you are saved. And so um, I would love to ask you, Craig, um, is there, did you disagree with any of that? Uh, do you have anything to add? And then also, um, what would you recommend people that doubt like if we're using the marriage analogy, like two or three years down the road when things are rocky or they're not feeling it, it's not like they're unmarried. Like, what do you do when you doubt that you're still in this covenant? So those are the things I'll give back to you. I wanted to highlight on, you touched on this, that saying a specific prayer, there there is no specific prayer yeah, in the Bible. So just so that's clear, <laughs> like, it's not like, okay, A, B, C, it's, it's just that we see that the Bible is teaching us that it is about faith, that mm-hmm. it's, you know, through faith that we're saved by mm-hmm. God's grace. And, and like you, you're talking about Romans 10, you know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Raise him from, him from the, the dead, dead, you will be saved. That's the one. For it's with your mouth that, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and you're saved. Yeah. Um, but even in that passage, he doesn't give you like, this is exactly how. And so, but there's just something to, it's like we talked about last couple episodes, because there's something powerful about words. God created in the beginning with words. The devil lied in the beginning with words. Sin comes be, by, you know, untruth coming. And and there's there's something powerful about us, about us speaking, but it's mm-hmm. about the faith in our heart. Yeah. Can I touch on one tiny yeah. thing? Because I had this question when I was a kid. Like when I was 14, I asked one of my youth pastors, I'm like, what if you can't speak? You know, because because we want to know the exact way right. we want to be secure. Like, what if I'm a mute person? Like, how do they? And and really, um, the reason that God chooses these methods, um, simple things like bread and wine for communion, which we should do a whole thing on. Um, most people have access to those things and that those times and now. Most people have a mouth. Most people are able to speak. I get it. Not everyone. I'll cover that. But everyone can believe. Anyone sentient that's a human right. can believe. So if you're the tiny group of people that can't do that. It's simply really then your next choice would be to express in some way, writing, sign, some way, express to people around you that you are indeed married. You are right. indeed in a covenant. That's the heart of it. Right. Most of us will just use our mouth. Right. If that makes it clear and gives you a little peace. But that's his heart. You know why I can say that confidently, even though it's not written anywhere, is I know his heart. And exactly. I understand that the point of speaking it is not magical. It's to it's it's the moment when your will is really real and you yield it right. to him. You're surrendered. You to him. Yeah, you surrender. Yeah. yeah. The spirit of God enters you. Yeah. And that is thematic. Yeah. That you know his heart. Yeah. Um, even though there's not a verse that says it. But yeah, I wanted to just um, echo what you said about when you were a kid. I remember asking Jesus into my heart <laughs> like 50 times <laughs> because I was scared it didn't work the time before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. When you think about it, that's a that's a that's a belief system. Like that's a theological belief that that even that the foundation of it is a transaction of some sort, Ooh. which in some ways, in some ways I guess it is, but but it's not just a did did I do something right and so that I received something and so and what my concern was was where am I going to go when I die? Yeah. And I think in in a lot of ways the church or theologians have not entirely but in some ways done a disservice to humanity by 
either intentionally or probably unintentionally sending the message that this whole thing is about, well, where are you going to go when you die? But salvation, friends, is not just about where you go when you die. Obviously, that's a big part of yeah, it. Yeah, it's huge, hugely important to me, for sure. Eternity <laughs> is a, a real thing. Time. Right. So there's a theological belief. Eternity is real, and we are eternal spirits, mm-hmm. right? Um, but salvation was not just so you can yeah. get fire insurance and go somewhere when you die. It's about knowing the God of the universe right now. And Jesus said, I came to bring life and life abundant. And so um, we want to know him now. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about like the methodology God is using here. You know, like why? Like why would God do it this way? Because that's another question I had. I'm like, why can't I just, why can't you just show up in my room? I prayed that prayer. I'm like, just show up. Like appear to me and then I'll know. And it wasn't until later in life I understood that, you know what, God could appear in the sky. And it would, and C.S. Lewis actually wrote this, and it, I opened my eyes. He said, the moment that he uses a play as an analogy, he says, the moment the author or the playwright comes on stage, the play is over. It's over. If God were to become undeniable to every human being, he appears like a giant monolith in the sky. We're like, oh, well, I guess it's all real. Guess what? There's no more choice. Right. And faith wouldn't just not be needed it wouldn't even be a thing wouldn't be a it wouldn't thing. exist because the whole point of the garden of eden and the tree and a million good ones is simply to give us a choice because without a choice you're a puppet and god doesn't want puppets he right. wants people to choose to love him because that's the only way love is real he's already chosen to love us when it's free will reciprocated now you have a relationship and if he shows up in the sky and we all know you can't choose anymore Right. You know he's true. You have no it's like he hides himself from us because he's so ominous and powerful and we should he's like fearfully powerful to have a relationship with delicate right. beings like right. us. It's it's fascinating. He hides himself from us mm-hmm. not because he hates us but because he loves the idea of real love so much mm-hmm. that it's an invitation and enticing to choose him. Yeah, that's the way. I mean, imagine if you're this like multidimensional, all-powerful being and you want to have relationship with other beings like you. That's what the Bible says. He, he, we're, made in, we're imagers of him. We're made in his image. Right. Um, but we're certainly not on his level. Right. But to have relationship has to have that free will. And so, so why he won't just show up in your room and prove it to you is you need to start with belief. Right. Faith. The seed. It's impossible to please God without faith. Right. So start with that. Believe first and then watch. He's going to show up and prove you made the right decision literally every day of your life if you let him. Right. And, and that's what, that's what our journey of salvation is all about is Mm -hmm. it's not about, okay, I believe a couple facts. And so I say a prayer one time and now I know when I die, I'm going to go somewhere. It's about, it's about knowing enough Mm -hmm. truth to know who this God is. And, and like you said, the marriage analogy, beginning that relationship and then enjoying the journey of walking through this life, trusting him and knowing him and just like a marriage mm-hmm. you will grow as you grow a relationship you will grow in knowledge of the person 
Oh, for sure. Intimacy with the person. Oh, and you guys like get your own language. Like, I mean, you and Jess, like you become more like each other a little bit. You've, you've, the Bible says that you leave your father and mother, you cleave to your wife, you would become one flesh. And it's really true. Like, Marie and I have been married 17 years. We're best buds. We've always been best buds. And we are, we have such a DNA together now. We are, every day becoming, you know, we laugh at the same stuff and things like that. And that's what happens as you spend time with Jesus after you make your commitment to him, as you come into that covenant, um, is you become more like him. The Bible actually says you're predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his son. And it's just like that marriage. Like the more time you spend in relationship, the more like him you become. Right. Right. So, so three simple things. If you sin, Craig, are you still saved? Yes. How do you know? Like, how do you know that that's true? Well, because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Okay. And my, he's already taken care of sin. Yes. Right? That's how you know. <laughs> the way that I know is that the Bible says that Jesus Christ took the sins of the world. Let me ask you something. Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago. You're watching this on TikTok right now. All your sins that you will ever commit were future sins for Jesus. They hadn't been committed yet when he died. His sacrifice is outside of time, though it happened at a moment in time. Right. And this is why, by the way, mm-hmm. Romans 5.8 tells us that God, and this is, this is I love this verse because it, for a, an English teacher, it's bad grammar. Because it says, but God, demonst- right. <laughs> God demonstrates, present tense, his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ Died, died for us, past, past tense. tense. That that God is all the time, every day, in this moment, right now, demonstrating his love for you. Right now, in this moment, he's demonstrating his love for you through what he did back then. Come on. So, don't worry. Every sin that you will commit from this day when you're fervent, you're watching this podcast, you're, you're feeling your heartstrings like, yeah, no, no, I want to I wanna double down like on this relationship. You're going to mess up again. Like, you have an adversary that's millennia old and understands humans like nobody else. And even though he's not probably present with you, there's a whole, there's a whole system stacked against you. You'll mess up. The grace of Jesus is perfect for you. You're already in when you, once you choose to be married, think of it this way. If I can use this crude marriage marriage analogy one more time, if you were to mess up on your spouse or do the unthinkable and you you're unfaithful, Imagine a spouse so loving that they say, no matter what you do to me, I will never be uncommitted to you. Right. This is our God. This is what covenant is. <laughs> this is covenant. And so you, if you become saved, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Um, the Bible says in other places, in First Peter, I believe is one of them, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, no one can say without the Holy Spirit that Jesus is Lord, right? Like, and really believe it, you know? Um, so don't worry, you're safe. So do those tests. Like, remember that all your sins were future sins to Jesus, and they're all forgiven. Be stable and understand that you're in a covenant with someone who will never leave you, is outside of time, already knew every bad thing you would ever do before he saved you. You're not going to surprise him. And then say to yourself, is the Holy Spirit in me? That's the seal of your salvation. Do you, can you say Jesus is Lord and really believe it? And if you can, the Bible says that it's only by the Holy Spirit you can do that. You're good. That's, that's all I got. Yeah, the scripture says that anyone who's in Christ is a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Come on. And so, yeah, 
pre- present day and future sins that we commit have an impact on us. Oh, for sure. It's not There's inconsequential. Yeah, right. There's yeah. consequence, but but it does not mean that you go from saved to unsaved, saved to unsaved. And, yeah. and if you get in a car accident that you and you just had done something that now all of a sudden you're... No, because what because God's heart, if I understand God's heart, mm-hmm. it's bigger than that. Yeah, way bigger. You're in relationship with him. You are a brand new creation. So we always want to end any episode um, with doing just that, boiling it down to God's heart. Is mm-hmm. there... Is there any final words that you want to offer in terms of uh, God's heart, God's truth about this subject or about how it affects people's life? Because this is one of those interesting ones that mm-hmm. we get. I didn't lot. think that I would get this question as much as I do um, because it it's, it's, I guess I don't want to say, sim- I mean, it, it's so foundational. It's foundational. Yeah, it's it's like the entrance. But yeah. maybe that's why we get it so much because well, people are, I, I want to make sure that I know the foundational truth. Am I saved and how do you get saved? And do, do yeah. I have to be baptized? Which we're going to do a we're whole episode yeah. on baptism. Um, I will say this. Um, I, have a, I have a quick analog. Um, when you get married, you understand Jesus more. You really do. Because it's a love that you choose that you weren't born into and you get it a little bit more. Not in whole, but in part. Then when you have children, you get it a little bit more. And those things, I believe that you're you're not, you totally agree, right? Yeah. And so it's like when you get married, you understand a little more Jesus's love and you understand, whoa, he's committed to me. And, And in order for any marriage to work, it is literally covenant commitment. They will mess you up. They will hurt you. You will hurt them. Right. And you don't quit. And he won't quit. So, and then when you have kids, you understand God. Like, oh, this God, this is why God pursued me. Like, I know how I love my kids, and I'm garbage compared to God. Like, no wonder His love. Like, I can't imagine what that might feel like. So, so there's some analogs. So, if you're young and you haven't experienced those analogs yet, um, just rest in the fact that you are a child of God, created on purpose. And when you're a father who loves their kids, they that father will do anything to save you. And he has done all the work on your behalf. You simply need to yield. And that is the heart of a real father. So remember that he's a good dad. That's good theology. He's a good dad. So, so hopefully that'll stay you when you doubt. Yeah. That's, that's about as close as I could get until you experience it for yourself. Okay. Yeah. So my final thoughts would be this. Yeah. The recap is that, um, you know, Jesus says in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to bring life and life abundant. And the way that we enter into that salvation is, it tells us in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And so it's not about our works so yeah. that none of us can boast. That's the one. It's it's about boasting in what he's done. His work, his finished work on the cross is what won, and his resurrection, by the way, mm-hmm. the 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 greatest, most important moment in history was the cross, but the the evidence of the efficacy of the cross, yeah. I can use a big word, was the resurrection. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if it wasn't for the resurrection, then we're all to be pitied among men. Like, it, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it didn't get proved, but he did rise from the dead. Therefore, what happened on the cross was was holistic and beneficial and and will will save anybody that comes to him in faith and it tells us that you know we must put our faith in him and there's something powerful about about speaking it or if you if you're mute, declaring that somehow 
Jesus says, declare before men and I will declare you before my father. So stepping in, this last thing, and I can tell you one more thing. One more thing. Because we we always want to close with the the heart of the issue. What's God's heart? Mm -hmm. The heart of the issue is that God doesn't just want your salvation so you could be with him in heaven one day, although he does want that. He wants your salvation. And by the way, you should want your salvation, not just so you can go somewhere when you die. You should want, and he wants you to be saved because he cares about relationship with you Come starting on, right now. And you should care about that as well. This whole thing is not about us being churchy, being religious. I think both of us would agree we're not religious. We don't consider no, ourselves to be religious I'm not people. A religious person. And I'm no. a pastor at a church, but that's not what it's about. No. It's about everything in life, reading your Bible, doing a podcast, praying, going to church, serving people. All of those things are not an end in and of themselves. They are a means to the end, which is relationship with God, both now and forevermore. I literally am going to save my pearl for another time. I want to invite people. That was so powerful. I want to invite people to yield your will to the Father right now. He is pursuing you. In that analogy, he's at the altar waiting for you. If you want to do it in this moment, it could be 2 a.m. in your room watching on a laptop. It could be on your phone somewhere on a bus. It doesn't matter where you are. He's with you. I apologize. I get emotional. I'm just so hopeful for people to find what I've found. If you want that, if your heart's kind of pounding, then I'm talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. If you want to be saved and know forever that not only will you be in heaven with all of us and with him and live eternally, but that starting today, your life can get incrementally every day, every moment not only better, but more purposeful and fulfilling. And you'll find out really who you are when you look deep into him. If you want that, all you've got to do is say, I do. Say, Jesus, I yield my will to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I know that I'm separated from God and imperfect. Take me as I am and make me what you want me to be. And if you can say that and you believe that Jesus is Lord and he died for your sins, you are saved. Now go tell somebody that you belong to him. Amen. Wow. That's that's powerful. People are making that commitment right now. Yeah, there's people want, getting saved right now. Right. And if that's you, like Daniel said, we want to invite you to tell somebody to find a local church. And would you let us know? Yeah. You can how can they email us? We have um hello at the Theomatic Podcast. You can go to our website and fill out a form. There's three or four ways you can get a hold of us. You could also email us at the thematic podcast at Gmail. We got so it all. There's a bunch of ways. <laughs> um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So again, thank you for joining us, yeah, everybody, on the thematic podcast. I'm Craig, and this is Daniel. Peace. We are attempting to make good theology automatic, automatic and we look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.